Today is Wednesday, October 25th, uh, and welcome back to the Yankee Nation podcast. My name is Ryan. I will be your only host today. My co-host Brian cannot make it today, unfortunately, so it'll be just me. Um, I got a bunch of stuff to get to that I'm excited to talk about. Um, some Gold Glove finalists. Yankees have two of them. We'll get to them. Um, I think both of them have like the best case to win after, out of uh, the, uh, all three finalists nominated. Um, kind of an off-season calendar to look forward to um, with some tangible dates. Um, World Series matchup. It's determined now. Um, all all I'm gonna say is it's gonna it's gonna be nice to just sit back and enjoy it because like you know when Houston went out I was I was like relieved relieved where I was, I was like yeah I can I can just sit back and enjoy the World Series now and you know I I don't like Philadelphia teams so uh, I I don't hate the Phillies uh, they're not in our league but you know uh, some some carryover dislike for Philadelphia from you know being a New York Giants fan you know the Philadelphia Eagles have tortured me for the last 10 years, probably. Um, I am also not a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers either because, you know, they're a rival of the New York Rangers. So um, nice to see two teams that I I, I like both of those teams. I, I can support both of them winning. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into some postseason narratives too. You know, there's always the uh, argument about whether the postseason is a crapshoot. And, and I have some thoughts on that that I, I've kind of, ruminating on this week but first let's get to the the yankees news um i i first thing i have on the docket here um i saw reports over the weekend or like early this week that hal steinberger said said he's going to be addressing the media soon possibly with cashman and possibly without just over a zoom um it, now it's Wednesday and like still hasn't happened. Maybe it'll happen like today after I record because that's just kind of our luck. But um, uh, hopefully by the time we talk next week, we'll actually have some real Hal Steinbrenner quotes. Um, yeah, this is like, I don't know. I think we're just like used to being in Yankee world with this, but this is kind of just weird that the season's over and they haven't had a season ending press conference yet. It's been it's been about a month like just under a month and they haven't had the season ending press conference yet and there's no no date yet for it either like uh, maybe they're waiting for after the world series i, I mean i i guess i guess how could be waiting could have been waiting for like after the championship series is over that to do it um to do it in uh in that break between the the league championship series and and uh the world series that would make sense so i would guess that you'll see him uh speaking either today or tomorrow before game one of the world series um if not then like i i don't know I, you might not see him until after the world series um not having cashman would be kind of weird too um because you know that you you got to speak to the, the media after the season ends you know um, I know, I know Hal Steinbrenner was at, um, he spoke at a conference last week, but that's not a season ending press conference that he spoke at like a sabermetrics press event with Randy Levine a week or two ago. Um, yeah, it, it reminds me of like James Dolan with the Knicks where like they have their like media obligations before the season starts, but they don't invite any of the media, you know? 
or like they they only have like people from MSG Network show up, and you know I I know that I don't think it's exactly like as bad. I don't I don't want to say as bad, but you know I don't think it's exactly on par with what James Dolan does. Um, when it comes to the media, he he like makes it very clear that he doesn't like feel like he gets treated fairly by the media, especially on the Knicks side. Um, the Rangers side, he's not very uh, outwardly present at much at all, regardless. But um, yeah, just kind of an interesting uh, uh, thought I had. Uh, it, it's, it is weird that they haven't had a season-ending press conference and their season's been over uh, games-wise for about a month. And then it's been over basically world series hopes wise since august so yeah it, it's it's very interesting I, you know even if like the media is not gonna grill him like I, I would like to get like an update on jason dominguez's surgery you know hey like all we have to work off is like the google google search oh the usual timeline is this 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 like nine to ten months and you might see a middle of the next season I'd like to hear how the surgery went and see if there's any hope for him making maybe a quicker return. Um, you know, I, I, it would be nice to hear some stuff um, and maybe even just some, some ideas about Cashman, maybe what he's going to do this off season, but we'll, we'll hear from them eventually. Um, yeah. So next thing I have is uh, the gold glove finalists. Um, First, let's do Anthony Rizzo first because he's a finalist. Um, you know, it, it feels kind of weird that he's a finalist, but then when you look at it, it look it just makes you really uh, it, it makes you realize how slim the uh, selections was uh in 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 the American American League for first base. Um, because Rizzo like has an argument to to win this award. Um, this, and he probably should beat out the other two finalists, and we'll get to the other. Gold Glove uh, nominations as well, and I think the Yankee who was nominated should win that award too. Um, so Anthony Rizzo finishes the year with three defensive runs saved, a seven outs above average, and four errors. Um, then there's Nathaniel Lowe, um, three defensive runs saved, so that's the same as Rizzo. Two outs above average, that's five less than Rizzo, and then one less error with Rizzo than Rizzo with three on the year. Um, then you got Ryan Mountcastle, um, two defensive runs saved, negative one outs above average, and, and two errors. Um, the errors are all pretty close with the three three of the guys. Um, the outs above average kind of sets Rizzo apart from the other two, in my opinion. Um, what could also what could hurt Rizzo here is like those two guys were on winning teams, and that that could be the way voters think with this, but I, I, I kind of think Rizzo might get this. He's kind of a respected first baseman, even though in the past, his defensive metrics have not been strong. Um, he, he's always been kind of respected. Um, he's a veteran, even going, even going back to the, his days with the Cubs. I kind of think he's going to come out on top here. Um, even though he missed that last month or so, basically um, just shows you how, how weak the uh, the first base first base position was in the American League. 
especially defensively. Um, the shortstop one is interesting. Interesting. Um, a lot of people were surprised to see Anthony Volpe make it, um, but when you look at the defensive metrics, like there's no, there's really, there really isn't an argument against Volpe being a finalist for the Gold Glove. Um, when you look at the defensive metrics, and then when you compare him to um, the other two nominees who have a lot of name recognition, but when you look at the stats, he should really beat the other two out. And I don't think they got the, I don't think they got the final finalists right here. Um, I think Bobby Witt Jr. of the uh, Kansas City Royals was snubbed. I think it should be an argument between um, Volpe and uh, Bobby Witt Jr. And I think it it should have been either of those two. Like either of those two would be justifiable winners. Um, Wander Franco would have run run away with this award, it, 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 but I think we all know why he's not in the in the not a finalist for this award. Um, yeah, so the finalist for the shortstop Gold Glove, uh, Anthony Volpe, he has fifteen defensive runs saved. That's very good. Um, I think he's tied for the lead lead in the American League, and he's tied with Wander Franco. So, um, and then he has one out above average and seventeen errors. And I'll get to I'll touch on the errors a lot uh, errors later. That that is a lot, but basically, if you're a shortstop and you have a lot of range, you're probably going to have more errors because you're like because you you get to more balls than guys who have less range. So errors aren't the best way to evaluate um, defensive uh, d- defensive play, especially at shortstop. Um, so the other two nominees, Corey Seager and Carlos Correa. Um, as, as I said with the uh, first base nominations, the other two guys have uh, – they were on winning teams, made the playoffs. Um Seager and Correa also have like a lot of name recognition. Correa did not have a good year um, defensively, especially compared to his standards. Um, So, uh, but, but he won the platinum glove two years ago. So he's still like, he still has like just the reputation Um, in my, yeah. Cause I, in my opinion, he's a finalist because of his just, just reputation and being a gold glove finalist all those years in the past. That's, that's why he's on here. Um, but Seager, uh, five, uh, five defensive runs saved negative two outs above average. So Volpe has the advantage in both of those statistics. He has eight errors. This is actually an improvement from, uh, uh, in the past on, on Seager. Um, he, uh, was not known as a, a very good defensive shortstop for, from by all the people who look at the um, metrics like that, um, he was not viewed as a strong defensive shortstop. As if you remember when he was a free agent, the talk about him going to the Yankees was it made a lot of sense because oh he's a lefty, yeah that he's a lefty, and he also could slide to third base. That that was the thing with him where like I personally wasn't all in on Seager because I didn't want to pay him shortstop money to eventually slide to third base in a year or two. Um, but credit to him, he did improve his defense this year. And I, I, w- I won't say he is an undeserving finalist here. I would say Correa should not be a finalist this year, statistically. 
because um, he has negative two defensive runs saved and one out above, outs above average. And uh, I'm pulling up his his uh, errors here. He has six errors this year. So errors, he has the least of the three, but as we said, not the greatest way to evaluate defensive play, especially at shortstop. Um, I really think Volpe should win this outside of the, uh, you know, I, I, th- it's, I think it's a shame that Bobby Wood Jr. isn't on the finalist list here. It, w- it would be kind of a fun offseason conversation because Bobby Witt Jr. has, I think he has like a, he has like negative something uh, defensive run saved. I'll pull up his stats here, but it, it would have been an interesting um, conversation um, because he, uh, you know, he, he put, he, he improved a lot defensively from his rookie year. And I, I said during the season that Volpe could be on that Bobby Witt type of trajectory where like, you know, as, except for like, Volpe's a better defender out of the gate than Bobby Whip was his first year. Um, but pulling up his defensive stats for right now, um, so he had he had twelve errors. Like that's not a that it's not a huge difference. Well, five errors is a lot, but that's not like a little either. Like that's not a it doesn't set him apart that much. Um, defensive run saved. He's at negative six. Um, but outs above average, he's at 14. He, um, yeah, I, I think he has a justifiable case to win Google glove. Depends how you value defensive runs saved versus outs above average. I think generally the, the uh, voters, they, they value defensive runs saved. That's the stat that's been around the longest the, and the stat that they're most familiar with. Um, yeah, it would be an interesting conversation here um, if if he was a finalist. Um, I, I think he was partial. He was probably a, a victim of being in a small market team that was one of the worst teams in baseball. But he had a really strong year. Um, he emerged offensively. That's what you hope to see from Volpe next year. Where um, I was looking at his, I, I was looking at Volpe's splits yesterday. Um, he hit lefties really well. Um, his his the thing he's going to have to improve on this year or in 2024 is if he can just hit righties um a bit better um then, then he'll, he'll that's literally all he has to do to become a good player like a good offensive player well i, I shouldn't say all he has to do cuz that's what he's facing most of the time but that's the one thing where if you could pinpoint one thing where he has to improve anthony Volpe, that it, it's hitting righties and that was a weakness of the Yankees lineup overall as well. They they were built in a way that they can hit lefties, but most most pitchers are not lefties. So that's that's the thing. Um so that's the gold glove. We covered that. Um I wanna credit uh Chris Kirshner from The Athletic. Um this was his first year on the uh on the Yankees beat. And he put together an article with some off-season dates um, that was really, uh, really helpful. Um, and we're going to keep going back to that, um, back to those dates, and looking forward to stuff. But um, so, so credit to him here. Um, and and let's go through it. Um, so first thing on the off-season 
events slash dates type of thing. Um, Brian Cashman press conference with Hal Steinbrenner possibly. Um, as we said before, to be determined, we're still waiting on that. It's probably going to happen uh, by by the end of uh, what? Well, I don't want to say by the end of October because it's already twenty fifth. But if if that doesn't happen by early November, I'd be surprised. Um, then the first day after the World Series, uh, players become free agents. Um, then they'll have the Yankees will have five. Uh, five days of uh, exclusive negotiating time. Um, once again, those free agents are Luis Severino, Frankie Montas, Isaiah kind of Wandy Peralta, Keenan Middleton, Zach McAllister, and Luke Weaver. Um, I've said in the past, I think I'd be interested in bringing back Montas. Um, I'd be interested in bringing back Wandy Peralta or Keenan Middleton as well. Um, those are the three guys I'd be interested. I, I see some people out there, Kind of interested in bringing back Severino. Um, I, I think Montas is the better one-year, you know, low-risk, uh, one-year cheap deal type of type of guy. I think there's more upside there. Um, it, it seems like there. It seems like that might happen too, because you know Jack Curry has tweeted about it too. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. So, yeah, that that'll have. Free agents will be officially off of the Yankees roster the day after the World Series. Um, five days after the World Series, Yankees will have to, or teams around the uh, around the the league, will have to put in their qualifying offers. The Yankees will not be putting in a qualifying offer. They do not have a free agent that is good enough to justify that. Um, yeah, I, I'd be surprised. I'd be shocked if they offered anyone a qualifying offer. I think it's just over 20 million this year. Um, And the deadline for players to accept qualifying offers is uh, November 15th. It'll be interesting to see if anyone accepts that this year. Um, You know, as we, as we know, the, uh, the teams use the qualifying offer to put uh, basically to just gain uh, draft draft capital. If they're, if a free agent leaves them, but sometimes you see the guys uh, sign the de- sign that deal. So um, I'll be interested to see what happens with that. Um, November November fifth is when the Gold Glove uh, awards will be named. Um, so not too far away. Um, I'll be interested to see if uh, you know. Uh, just back to the shortstop one. Yeah, yeah. Volpe he might suffer from not being the most respected. Out of those guys, just name recognition wise, um, you know, people might be surprised. It's kind of weird that, like, you know, I I feel like some voters might even be voting based on offense for for that award, like it just because of the name recognition some of these guys have. Like Correa being on there this year is clearly a reputation pick. Um, yeah, so November fifth, Gold Glove Gold Glove Awards will be. Uh, announced and then november 7th through the 9th is the gm meetings in arizona um cashman will speak chris kirshner says likely on november 7th so um i'll be interested to see what happens that day that day um you know i think uh last couple years brian cashman has said yeah we're looking at starting pitching in left fielders and then he went out and 
hasn't gotten left fielders the last two years. Um, it, I, I'll be interested to see what happens there. Um, I'll be kind of annoyed if that's the first time we hear from him this offseason, but it, it might be. Um, November 14th is when the Rule 5 draft protections are due. Yankees will have to put guys they want to protect on their 40-man roster. Um, the the one guy that they'll probably protect, protect is uh, Clayton Beater. Unless, I mean, who knows? He could be in a trade as well. But I, I'd be surprised if any big trades happen by November 14th. Um, that's kind of the one guy that they'll have to protect. There isn't a huge roster crunch this year. Um, then the next day, November 15th, uh, Cy Young Award will be announced. Um, I think we all expect Garrett Cole to be named the Cy Young in the American League this year. Um, long time coming for him. Uh, we we all know he he kind of cemented his case in that complete game shutout in Toronto. Um, just a shame that the Yankees could not take advantage of the strong year that he had. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, what a what a year from him, and you know we expect him to do do really well next year. He he made some adjustments to uh, you know. Hit, hit, his strikeouts went down, his whiffs went down, but he he located his fastball better to kind of uh, better control the home run rates this year. So that's uh, that that was a big uh, adjustment for him this year, and it worked out. Um, I'll be interested to see how it carries over to next year. There might be some, you know, you know, twenty twenty two. He gave up the most home runs in the league, and now he's like. I think he was around league average. I would expect some regression in that area. Um, might not get as lucky, um, but still, I think that the adjustment was very good um, and obviously worked out for Cole this year. Uh, November 17th is the non-tender deadline. Um, so we'll find out players that the Yankees uh, are going to non-tender this year. Um, we went through the... Uh, arbitration estimates this year um and i would expect the yankees to non-tender both jimmy cordero and franchi cordero billy mckinney i would kind of be surprised if they brought him back but some people would like him as a fourth outfielder i think there's just some I, he wouldn't be a bad fourth outfielder but i just think there's some like there's some stink on these guys that sadly shouldn't be there because they were forced into roles that they just shouldn't have been in. Like Billy McKinney was like a le the legit left fielder for a while this year. And it, it was just a role that was too much for him. Um, it's not his fault. It's the Yankees fault. Um, Jake Bowers, same way. Uh, they might, I, I, I think they might non-tender him. Lou Trevino uh, is a, pretty easy non-tender candidate i think because he uh he he's not going to be back uh by the start of the year um i think uh i have his arbitration estimate here 4.1 million the yankees can use that money on a, a relief pitcher who's going to be there the whole year so there's that um two more things to get to december 3rd through 6th is going to be the winter meetings in nashville um, I don't think the winter meetings this year is going to be as wild as it was last year when you had the arson judge signing with the Giants 
report coming out um, and the whole lobby's freaking out. Um, I, I think from a Yankees perspective, it's not going to be as eventful this year. Maybe there's some Otani stuff that'll go down during that week. That'll be fun. Um, if that happens, I don't, and we'll get into Otani in a bit. Um, Cause Jeff Passan, uh, he, he was on a podcast with a uh, Syracuse uh, journalism, either student or graduate. Um, and talked about the Yankees and the Mets outlook for the off season. Um, but yeah, winter meetings is always kind of fun. Um, I hope some, I hope the off season kind of kicks into gear that week. Um, Cause I, I, I kind of hate it when like just these free agency and trades, uh, they drag out until January. Like let's get the action going. I think I, in the last couple of years, it has been, you know, um, of course the year before, um, year before last was the lockout and that, that deadline, uh, at the end of November kind of just kickstarted things, but, um, forced action. But now the last, last, uh, data I have on here is January 12th, which is the deadline for the Yankees to agree uh, Yankees and other teams deadline to agree to contract with arbitration eligible players. Um, be interesting to see, uh, you know, Glaber Torres is the big one. He's projected to be around 15 million this year. Um, and it would be, it, you know, there's, there's some talk about Glaber getting moved potentially. I am not really for it. I think, uh, you know, he's a guy you keep around. He was one of your best offensive players. You're, you you need offense and, and you don't want to get rid of that, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. It would take a lot of chess pieces being moved if the Yankees want to compete next year and move Glaber Torres this offseason. Um, but we will see. Uh, and then other arbitration eligible guys, you know, notable Clay Holmes. There's uh, Nestor Cortez is up to up for arbitration. Michael King. And then uh, Clark Schmidt as well. Those are kind of the notable guys. There's a bunch there's a bunch more guys who who might get non-tendered, um, you know, like I, I, like I said with Lou Trevino, being it'll be interesting to see who uh, who the Yankees have to worry about by the time January twelfth comes around. All right, so let's get to the Jeff Passan clip that I kind of touched on a little bit earlier. Um, so first, he said Yankees are likely not involved on Otani but can't completely rule them out because it's the Yankees. So basically you can rule them out for Otani. You know, people say like, you can't rule out the Yankees, but you know, that's not the Yankees anymore either. So I I think you could kind of rule them out for Otani. I also have been, I've kind of held the opinion recently that I think Soto makes a lot more sense for this team than, uh, then Otani, we'll get to him. I kind of don't think Soto is going to get moved this offseason. Um, but the scary thing, I think if he gets moved this offseason, I think it might be between the Yankees and the Red Sox for him. That that would be that would be quite a uh, quite an offseason storyline if that happens. Um, next thing, Jeff Passan said, you know, uh, well, regarding Otani, he said. The Yankees 
have some financial commitments for the future that they that is like limiting their their willingness to just add more payroll uh up to up to a certain point like they're not they don't want to be up where the mets are and um i think that make that i mean that shouldn't surprise people you know mets are in a different stratosphere with steve cohen um so that it's just a weird spot and he said like the some of the salary the yankees have like they, they can't get off of it you know and and Giancarlo Stanton is the the biggest example of that. And we'll there was an article on him yesterday that very interesting. Um, and we'll get to that. But yeah, he's not a uh, Jeff Passan says the Yankees aren't going to get just like spend like crazy this off season. And he also said this is not the off season to just spend to fix all your issues, which I I think. I think Brian would agree with that. And we've talked about a lot about Cody Bellinger, um, how we think that that might be a trap. Um, I've kind of, I'm still anti Bellinger. I kind of think that I, I kind of think like what I'm worried about is his shoulder and, and the, the injury history. Um, I kind of don't think, I, I don't think he's, if the Yankees sign him that he's all of a sudden just going to stink. I, I'm just, I'm concerned about the injuries. Um, you know, I think the ballpark dimensions uh, fit him. I think he'll, he, he's a good player. I just don't, I just think the, mo- the money could be spent better elsewhere. And where it could be spent elsewhere is I just think the, the biggest, the, the free agent that makes the most sense to spend a lot of money on is Yoshinobu Yamamoto. We've talked about him before from Japan. Jeff Passan says he will get the second most money this offseason after after Otani. He'll get the most money out of, out of any free agent this offseason, and the Yankees will be in big on him. So it, it's when Jeff Passan says that 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 makes uh, that makes it a lot more real. Um, I think uh, you know we've seen articles from Japan where it's like, oh, the Yankees are going to offer the Yankees are going to make him their savior, and you know and articles from other people, but when, and I've been kind of skeptical that the Yankees are going to go all out for him. But when Jeff Passan says the Yankees are going to be in big on a guy, then I take that more seriously. Um, only guy that I would say has more, um, I, I wouldn't even say more, just like equal, uh, well, what, what, what he says has equal meaning to me um, is Jack Curry. Of course he's, very connected with the Yankees who's with yes network. I think he pretty much just gets stuff from Cashman. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Um, all right. So let's get to the Stanton article that came out. I think it was from Chris Kirshner and Brandon Cuddy from the athletic. Um, they started, or, or they talked to a guy from driveline, uh, which is a, uh, kind of just a baseball factory in, uh, Washington. And, uh, one of their uh, one of their their employees was like just breaking down Stanton's problems, um, and there, I think there's some hope for a rebound next year. Um, I think uh, you know I I don't think you can bit of it depending depend on him being healthy. Um, I don't. That's just kind of the way it is with Stanton nowadays. His you know he's either got a hamstring strain or pulls his calf. 
that's usually what kind of happens with him. Um, but basically, uh, what went wrong with Stan this year is he it, he still has very like the exit velocity is still there. He hits the ball hard, but the problem is you know he has such a level swing that he hits too many balls on the ground, and you know how slow Stanton is, like, you know, and that was exacerbated this year because when he came back, he was he was very much just limiting his speed, and it, that's a bad comp. That's a bad combination when you hit a bunch of hard hit balls on the ground and you're a slow runner. That's that's not a good thing. Um, so the natural uh. The natural solution to that is to try to raise the average off uh, exit velocity, or the average average long launch angle. So that would make a lot more sense, um, or it would make a lot of sense to do that. And I think that's probably what he's going to be working on this offseason. Um, it, it wasn't confirmed that Stanton is going to driveline to uh, work on his swing. Um, the, the article said that he could go there or somewhere similar. Um, I, I I really hope he is planning on going to either driveline or somewhere similar. Um, but the thing with raising his launch angle is that Stanton already struggles with whiffs. Um, they said his so another component is this uh, of this is Stanton's bat speed, which has declined in recent years. Um, still grades out really well. He's very strong, has good bat speed. Uh, the, the employee from driveline said, even though it's dropped a little bit, that's not the problem he said it's more swing path. Um, so that, that could be, uh, that, that kind of leads into the, uh, you know, raising the average launch angle. Um, but the thing with that is when you struggle with whiffs, raising the average, uh, you know, when you, when you when you adjust your swing path and try to get more lift on the ball, that could make the whiff problem even worse. So that's the thing with the, the if if Stan makes an adjustment to his swing, it's not a guarantee that he'll end up bouncing back. You know, I I really hope he does because the Yankees kind of need it. Um, I, I wish the Yankees would make some moves where they aren't relying so much on it, but I kind of expect the the Yankees to go into next year really hoping for a bounce back from him. And I don't think he'll be as bad if he, you know, I, I think, you know, at, at the end of the year, Stanton was like, yeah, I'm going like straight into the lab this off season and, and working on fixing my issues. And I think some type of swing adjustment might help him here. So be something to watch this off season to see if it comes out where Stanton goes to uh, work on a swing. I wonder if he's going to go either to driveline or Aaron Judge's hitting coach. It'll be interesting to see. Um, speaking of Aaron Judge, it came out that Aaron Judge is getting his number retired at Fresno State. Uh, he won number 29 there, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to add there, but, you know, cool moment for him. Um, of course, he... Uh, he was drafted by the A's out of high school, and then he went to uh, college and was a first-round pick by the Yankees uh, out of college. So um, I'm sure he put put up good numbers there and deserves it. But, I mean, he's become a monster at the major league level, and it makes sense to retire his number. 
Um, uh, next thing I have is the Red Sox GM options. It came out last night that they're going with Craig Breslow because that's and you know over the last week or so, a lot of people have turned Red Sox down. Uh, James Click turned them down. I think the Minnesota Twins guy that they've been talking to turned them down. Um, Kim Ang turned them down, who was just uh, recently he, she departed from the Marlins organization because they tried to uh, hire a president above her. Um, and that's interesting that she even she turned the Red Sox down because, she, like, I mean, that would have been a chance for her to potentially be president uh, of baseball operations. But the Red Sox have done things with their last couple of GMs where it's like, okay, their ownership is telling Dave Dombrowski to go all out for it. They win the world series. And then the next season they fire him because like, you know, to Dave Dombrowski, what he does is he goes, at, goes all out to win in a certain window. And then it's going to, it's going to have some long-term ramifications. And then in 2019, you start, started to see it at right after they won the world series. And um, the season wasn't even over, and they fired him. It was like they, like they. <laughs> it was interesting. It was just very quick trigger. I, I mean, I think they knew where they were going. Like, hey, we we won the World Series. We got what we wanted from Dave Dombrowski. But then they hired Heim Bloom, and they cut payroll. And you know, Heim Bloom made some questionable moves, but the ownership direction was to cut payroll and. They did that, and his second year, they made the ALCS, but then disappointed since then. And then you fire him. Um, basically, it, what, what Hein Bloom was hired to do was cut payroll and build up the farm system to make this more, a more sustainable thing. And it still might happen because you know the Red Sox prospects they have coming up soon are—I mean, those are all Hein Bloom guys, you know. So they, they might still see the uh, benefits of doing that uh, in the next couple of years. But I mean, a lot of people were just like, yeah, this is it, within the industry. Like, yeah, he did what you told him to do. And then you fired him for doing what you told him to do. So I'm not going to do, I'm not going to come take that job. Um, so yeah, that was something uh, their, their options were kind of limited. I mean, Gabe Kapler, who just, got got fired as manager of the giants uh was in the running for general manager or head of president of baseball operations uh, but it looks like it's going to be craig brett breslow um i remember who i remember pitching for them so that's interesting i, I will i'll be i do not know much about him as a uh, a baseball executive so i'll be interested to see what he does and learn about him this offseason um yeah, so now I want to uh, let's get to the Soto thing next. I want to kind of wrap up with playoff observations here. Um, all right, so this was from Bleacher Report. It was another Soto trade proposal. Um, it was Everson Pereira, Drew Thorpe, Will Warren, and then infielder Jared Cerner, who's kind of like on the lower levels. Um, I think this is actually a pretty good deal. Like this would probably be similar to what it looks like um you know i i think people see Pereira and they're like eh, there's not much value there but he's a former top 100 prospect but the, the biggest get for the padres in this deal would be drew thorpe who 
just one minor league pitching prospect of the year. Um, that would be that would be the the toughest one to give up. But I mean, I I would do this deal. Um, but and as as I said earlier, I think, I mean, I would consider doing Spencer Jones for <laughs> for Soto. So I, I I just think it makes a lot of sense given the prospects the Yankees have, and uh, you know the position that Soto would fill if he if the, they acquire him and uh, believe they can extend him or retain him in, as a free agent next offseason. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, the Red Sox have kind of been gearing up to uh, spend. And I think they're a suitor for Yamamoto. I think they're a suitor for, suitor for, Stan, uh, for Soto, um, which is kind of scary, but that's kind of what they've been planning. Um, uh, I'll be interested to see uh, if Soto goes on the market, who, what the teams that are in, but you know, I, it, it might be, it might be a Yankees Red Sox battle for him. If, if that happens. Um, I want to talk about a rod's quotes on WFAN recently as well. Um, he was asked about whether he wants his number retired and how we felt when Joey Gallo got number 13. And he said, it did not make me happy. I want my number retired. And then he was asked if he wants his number retired again. He said, of course it bothers me. I want my number retired. Like, But I listened to this clip. Uh, this got a lot of attention, of course. Uh, and reading it is kind of a little bit different than listening to the, the clip. They were kind of... This was on Evan, Robert, uh, Evan and Tiki. Um, and, uh, you know, Sean Morash is also on that show. Um, the afternoon drive on WFAN, they were kind of pushing him for like, he, he was not really answering the question at first. And then he's like, it's like, of course I would like to have my number retired, but he does, he knows it's not going to happen either. Um, to me, it sounded like, like, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of compare this to like when Eli Manning was asked if he was an elite quarterback, like, what do you expect him to say? Like, what do you expect him to say? He doesn't want, his number retired of course he would like to see it um i have a take on a rod uh of number retired is out of question he that's the consequences of his own actions like don't don't have two steroid scandals and then sue the yankees on the way out i know like that suing the yankees it kind of was like you know just hard like hey you had these incentives in my deal, milestone incentives, and then you just didn't pay him. Um, so that's kind of hard, but um, yeah, it it was not an uh, it, not an easy ending for the for A Rod with the Yankees. Um, I personally wouldn't be opposed to like an A Rod day at the stadium. I don't think he deserve. I'd like I, I I'm not saying like put a plaque in Monument Park at in center field for A Rod either. Um, but he, uh, you know, he was the best player on the Yankees for a long time, and for a lot of people growing up, including myself. And I, I, I did enjoy watching. A Rod is still one of my favorite players that that I've seen play for the Yankees. I know, you know, I, I don't really like his uh, his analysis in the booth now, um, especially on ESPN uh, when he's announcing games live. I thought he was very good in the wild card series with with Michael K when he was picking up on 
uh, oh, this guy, this guy's tipping pitches. The Twins have a tell on on Gosman, and you know, oh, they they might get a pickoff here, and then Correa calls a pickoff of Vlad, and they get him. Um, I I enjoyed that, but yeah, I I don't enjoy A Rod's baseball baseball philosophy. That's what I don't don't agree with post career. But I enjoyed watching him play. It was a lot of uh. A lot of good moments with him on the field, um, uh, especially 2009, which is the one Yankees championship that I remember. Um, I was cognizant for, so I'm thankful for that. Um, Brian, my co-host, uh, has said, he, I, I asked him about this this week, and he said, old-timers day and that's it. I, I think that makes sense. I think whenever they celebrate the 09 team, I think it would make sense to – bring him back then um potentially have him at that old timers day um which judging by you know the yankees doing 20 year anniversaries of championship teams um might not see him till what uh 2029 so that that would be something um yeah so that 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 was kind of just an interesting thing here um I had a f- kind of for fun question here as well. Uh, I, I said, which trade since 2017 do you wish worked out that didn't? Um, for me, it's probably the Joey Gallo trade because like the left field has been such a problem. Um, and then that would have solved the problem. And he was a lefty bat and the Yankees needed, like, I don't think the 2021 Yankees were going to win the World Series, even if, Joey Gallo was who we thought he would be. Um, but if Joey Gallo was who we thought he would, he would be, the 2022 team would have had a strong left-handed bat in a year where, you know, they were the best best lineup in baseball for the first half of the season. And then the second half, it was Aaron Judge carrying a bunch of guys who were struggling. Um, that would have been big to have just another strong left-handed bat. It, like, say, like, just Gallo continued to to be the guy he was in the first half of 2021 before the Yankees traded him. It's kind of kind of funny how like not funny but just interesting how he just hasn't reached that level since then. Um, yeah, if that could have worked out, that would have been nice because you know I think the Yankees have a chance to win the World Series in 2022 if uh, you have Aaron Judge and. Joey Gallo, uh, performing to expectations. Um, there are some other good candidates here. Sonny Gray might be one as well. Um, that would have been big to have in 2018. Um, Yankees starting pitching wasn't, uh, wasn't what we would, we had desired heading into that playoff run as well. Um, the thing with Gallo is like, you know, he was a free agent after 2020, uh, 2022. So and of course Aaron Judge was a free agent after twenty 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 two as well. So like, do the Yankees even bring him back? Even if he lived up to expectations, do they sign Aaron Judge and Joey Gallo that off season? I don't know. Maybe they they do that and let Rizzo walk. That would have been that would have been an interesting uh, dilemma there. But yeah, that, then I just want to. I'll do my playoff observations and then we'll get to the history moment that uh, Brian did put in here. So uh, playoff playoff observations 
Houston is out. I I can enjoy the World Series. That's something that I said at the top. Um, and you know, I, I enjoy not seeing a Philadelphia team there either. Um, there's this been there's been this debate that Houston is a dynasty now. Like, I I just don't see it. I I, I get it. They went to seven straight ALCSs, but like, okay, they won two World Series and they cheated for one. Um, I think you have to win back to back at some point to be considered a, a, a dynasty. Um, just because we haven't seen that since the Yankees in the late nineties, that doesn't mean that like we can just lower the bar for what, what a dynasty is. Um, spending money on top players works, especially, you know, I, I know the Phillies lost, but they've made the world series last year and they were a game away from making it this year. Um, they were just a blown, a blown lead in game four away from, going to the world series. Um, so, you know, and, and then we see with the, the Rangers, they spent money on Seager and Simeon and, and pit and pitching. Like, you know, they spent on DeGrom. He's not pitching, but they spent on Evaldi who, I mean, talk about a big game pitcher. He's, he's one of the best, one of the better big game pitchers in the league, in my opinion. Um, the thing is like, they aren't always available. And as, Je- as Jeff Passan said, this is not the off season to just spend away at all your problems. Um, you know, I think overspending on Cody Bellinger might come back to bite whoever does it. Um, I thought Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy managed pretty bad in this series. Um, I, I think especially game seven for Dusty, where he's like just not pitch hitting for bad hitters in key situations. Um, that was pretty bad. I think, Bruce Bochy leaving Scherzer in in game three was pretty bad. Like he just let, left him out there to die. Credit to him for pulling him in game seven, having a quick hook there. But he shouldn't have even started game seven, in my opinion. I felt like that was pretty bad. Um, yeah, it was. It, it'll be interesting because like the, the Rangers, I feel like it's just it's Montgomery and then it's Evaldi. And then who else do they have after that as a pit? Like you might as well just bullpen games after that. Um, my take on the Abreu and Garcia situation, I think, you know, uh, thank God the, the Rangers came back and won the series, but I think Garcia iced his own pitcher there. He iced Leclerc and then, you know, he came back out eight and nine hitters get on in front of uh, Altuve and like, I texted a friend in that moment. I was like, how far is this ball going? And turns it like only, only question about that one was like, how far is the home run get, run going to go? It turns out it didn't get that far over the fence, but you know, I think a lot of people, if, if you've been watching baseball over the last seven years or so, you knew Altuve was going to come through in that uh, spot. Uh, there was a clip of, Chris Mad Dog Russo came, coming out uh, and saying before games six and seven in Philadelphia that if the the Diamondbacks won those games that he would he would retire on the spot. So, uh, <laughs> you know, growing up with uh, W in the WFAN area and listening to him and Mike, um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what he does. What he does, uh, I I I don't think he's gonna retire. I think he's you know. He's playing around, you know. He, he 
he did that in Super Bowl forty two where he's like Patriots forty nine seven. He he does that type of stuff. Um, certainly a funny moment though. That uh, just something to keep an eye on over the next couple of days. What he says about it. Um, then let's wrap up with a history moment. Um, Brian put this in for me this morning. Um, so th- thanks to him for that. Uh, this is a uh, playoff game from the first Yankees playoff run that I watched and saw them win the World Series. And, and on this day in 2009, the Yankees with a 5-2 victory over the Angels at Yankee Stadium, game six. Um, Yankees won their 40th pennant. Um, and, and they advanced to the World Series to play the Philadelphia Phillies where they won in six games and won their 27th World Series. Um, and uh, for that, that was for the first since 2000. It had been kind of a bit of a drought for especially the core four guys where they were like, man, it's been a while. We needed, we needed to win one. And, of course, the Yankees haven't won since then. But, yeah, that was a uh, fun year. I, I, I go back and watch this game's like the highlights from this game sometimes. Um, Andy Pettit pitched this game. You know, he pitched in so many closeout games for the Yankees over his career. This is just another one. I think he pitched in game six of the World Series as well. Um, I believe he pitched in this game. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, the Yankees rolled their three-man rotation of CeCe, Pettit, and Burnett. And, and you know, that was so big for them in that year. Um, and then I know Burnett didn't have the, the greatest Yankees career, but, you know, he brought the pies over and then he, he pitched game two of that World Series. That was, was huge for, the, for them and got them back to, to tying the series at one. And then they, of course, they, they went out to win in six. So, all right. Kind of a fun, that was a fun solo episode. Um, you know, hopefully we'll have some bigger stuff to talk about next week. We'll have uh, hopefully some Hal Steinbrenner quotes. Um, it was as, as it was reported that he's going to talk to the media um, in the next week or so. Um, we'll be in the middle of the World Series probably. Um, game one's on Friday. It'll be in Texas. So uh, I'll be interested to see what happens there. Uh I don't really, I don't really have a rooting interest. I like both those teams, as I said before. So, that being said, uh, thank you for listening. Tune back in next week, and let's go Yankees.